0: Section 1 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah Mobley. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 2, Book 2, Chapter 1, The Ostrich and its Kindred, by W.P. Pycraft. The ostriches are a very ancient group of birds, and judging from what we know of their anatomy, they must be regarded as representing the most primitive of living birds. With the exception of a single group to be discussed presently, all have lost the power of flight. In some, in consequence, the wing has become reduced to a mere vestige it is a rule in nature we may remark that whenever an organ such as a wing or a leg or a tail ceases to be useful it undergoes forthwith a slow process of reduction or degeneration growing smaller and smaller in each successive generation till at last it may even disappear altogether the loss of flight has been accompanied by a degeneration in the quality of the feathers that is to say their serviceability as aids to flight has been entirely lost the size of the members of this group varies much. The largest of all is the African ostrich, the smaller of the flightless forms, the New Zealand apteryx. The ostrich like birds which have retained the power of flight are known as tinamous and are natives of South America. All these are smaller than the flightless apteryx tinamous the tinamus should perhaps be regarded as standing at the head of the ostrich tribe since they have reached a higher degree of development than any other of its members they have also preserved the power of flight in their general appearance they bear a singular resemblance to partridges though a little careful observation will reveal many points wherein they differ therefrom they are very confiding and unsuspicious birds some persons call them stupid on this account and in the early morning the species inhabiting the argentine pampas will observers tell us come right up to the isolated houses of the settlers so that the boys knock them down with stones the delicate quality of the flesh has caused these birds to be highly esteemed as food and their trustful nature renders them as easy prey so much so that in some districts they have been almost exterminated large numbers are caught by riding round them in a circle and securing them with a noose mr hudson who lived many years in the pampas assures us that the great tinamou is one of the sweetest voiced of the native birds the song is composed of five modulated notes, flute-like in character, and very expressive, and is uttered by many individuals answering each other as they sit far apart, concealed in the grass. The eggs of the tinamous are to be reckoned among the wonders of bird life, being so highly burnished as to look like beautifully glazed porcelain. The color varies according to the species, ranging from a wine-red, blue-green, and brown to black. The young are almost as remarkable as the eggs being clothed with a peculiar down of great complexity of structure and resembling in some respects the nestling down of the true ostrich the rhea the rhea is a native of south america it is frequently referred to as the south american ostrich and also as the nandu the resemblance which it bears to the true ostrich is striking but it may at once be distinguished therefrom by the fact that it has three toes and a feathered head and neck. Furthermore, it is smaller in size and lacks the conspicuous white wing and tail plumes. The tail indeed, as may be seen from the photographs reproduced, is wanting. The rhea must be regarded as standing at the head of the flightless members of the ostrich tribe its wings though are not large enough to raise its heavy body from the ground are yet of considerable size in buenos Aires, rias are hunted with dogs if a breeze is blowing the birds raise one wing which acts as a sail this done they can acquire a speed which makes it absolutely impossible for either dog or horse to come up with them the only chance of ultimately capturing them is by wearing them out by ceaseless pursuit a chase of this kind may last an hour and a half needless to say for sport of this kind both horses and dogs must be the best of their kind and in good form the natives and indians hunt them on horseback with the bolas the bolas or balls used for this purpose consist of two round stones covered with leather and united by a thong of about eight feet long one of these is held in the hand and the other whirled round the head and suddenly released when both go whirling madly round till they strike the rhea's legs around which they instantly twist and the victim is a fast prisoner the rhea is in danger of disappearing altogether as a wild bird owing to the ruthless slaughter which is made upon it for the sake of its feathers for some years back mr harding tells us the number of birds killed has averaged four hundred thousand per annum and as a consequence the species has already disappeared from nearly half the territory of the river plate on some estates in argentina the wild birds are driven in and plucked like most of the ostrich tribe the male alone performs the duties of incubation hatching some twenty eggs at a time the produce of several different females There are three different kinds of Rhea, but they do not differ much one from another. The young are curiously striped. The egg is very large, of a cream color, and deeply pitted. Darwin, in his Voyage of the Beagle, tells us that when he was at Bahia Blanca in the months of September and October, that eggs in extraordinary numbers were found all over the country. They lie either scattered and single, in which case they are never hatched and are called by the spaniards watchos or they are collected together into a shallow excavation which forms the nest out of the four nests which i saw three contained twenty-two eggs each and the fourth twenty-seven in one day's hunting on horseback sixty-four eggs were found forty-four of these were in two nests and the remaining twenty scattered watchos the gauchos unanimously affirm and there is no reason to doubt their statement that the male bird alone hatches the eggs and for some time afterwards accompanies the young the cock when on the nest lies very close i have myself almost ridden over one it is asserted that at such times they are occasionally fierce and even dangerous and that they have been known to attack a man on horseback trying to kick and leap on him my informer pointed out to me an old man whom he had seen much terrified by one chasing him I understand that the male emu in the zoological gardens takes charge of the nest. This habit, therefore, is common to the family. The gauchos unanimously affirm that several females lay in one nest. I have been positively told that four or five hen birds have been watched to go, in the middle of the day, one after another, to the same nest. Although this habit at first appears very strange, I think the cause may be explained in a simple manner. The number of eggs in the nest varies from twenty to forty, and even fifty, and according to the Azara even seventy or eighty. Now although it is most probable from the number of eggs found in one district being so extraordinarily great in proportion to the parent birds, and likewise from the state of the ovarium of the hen, that she may, in the course of the season, may lay a large number, yet the time required must be very long if the hen was obliged to hatch her own eggs before the last was laid the first probably would be addled but if each laid a few eggs at successive periods in different nests and several hens combined together then the eggs in one collection would be nearly of the same age If the number of eggs in one of these nests is, as I believe, not greater on an average than the number laid by one female in the season, then there must be as many nests as females, and each cock bird will have its fair share of the labor of incubation, and that during a period when the females probably could not sit from not having finished laying. I have before mentioned the great number of watchos, or deserted eggs, and that in one day's hunting, twenty were found in this state it appears odd that so many would be wasted does it not arise from the difficulty of several females associating together and finding a male ready to undertake the office of incubation it is obvious that there must at first be some degree of association between at least two females otherwise the eggs would remain scattered over the wide plains at distances far too great to allow of the male collecting them into one nest some have believed that the scattered eggs were deposited for the young birds to feed on. This can hardly be the case, because watchos, although often found addled and putrid, are generally whole. The ostrich. The ostrich is the giant amongst living birds. The full-grown male standing some eight feet high and weighing about 300 pounds, it is flightless, the wings being smaller, in proportion to the size of the body than in the rhea but the energy which in other birds is employed in sustaining flight in the ostrich is expended in running so that it has reached a high degree of speed no less in fact than twenty-six miles an hour when at full speed it is generally believed the ostrich derives no small help from the wings which are used sailwise nor is this belief by any means a modern one for all of us must be familiar with job's observations on the subject what time she lifteth her wings on the high she scorneth the horse and his rider the wings are never used in running at full speed but are of much service in turning enabling the bird to double abruptly even when going at top speed in justice to the older observations however it must be remarked that ostriches do run with raised wings but only at the commencement of the run or in covering a short distance when the pace may be considerable but if the circumstances demand full speed ahead they are held close to the body where they offer the least resistance to speed with the gradual perfection of its running powers there has followed a gradual change in form of the leg this change has taken place by reduction in the number of toes of the original five with which its ancestors begin life only two now remain the third and fourth the third is of great size having apparently waxed great at the expense of the other toes a growth which seems to be still in progress inasmuch as the fourth toe is undoubtedly dwindling it is very small and gives unmistakable signs of growing smaller since it has now become nailless when it has quite disappeared the ostrich like the horse will have but a single toe on each foot the third the dainty mincing step of the ostrich is a delight to watch and thanks to the zoological gardens this can be done even in smoky london the ostrich like its cousin of south america the Rhea, commonly associates with herds of the larger mammalia on the south african veldt the companions of the ostrich are the zebra wildebeest and hardebeest just as on the pampas of south america the rias are found associated with herds of deer and guanaco the egg of the ostrich weighs about three pounds and is of delicious flavor the empty shell it has been found by experiment is large enough to hold the contents of eighteen eggs of the common domesticated fowl it takes about forty minutes to boil an ostrich egg hard about fifteen eggs represent the clutch the nest is a mere depression in the sand the hen sits by day and her mate by night but the eggs are never left as is sometimes stated to the heat of the sun so as to lessen the duties of the parent such a course would infallibly destroy the eggs for the sun's rays especially at noon are very powerful the male and female ostrich differ much in coloration in the former the trunk is clothed in a vestment of richest black whilst the quills of the wings and tail feathers are of pure white they form the much prized ostrich plumes the female is much less splendid being clothed in a sober gray but these colors are not merely ornamental they render the male by night and the female by day invisible owing to the perfect harmony they make with their surroundings thus affording an interesting illustration of protective coloration all ostriches, says Mr. Cronwright Schreiner, adults as well as chicks have a strange habit known as waltzing. When chicks are let out from a crawl in the early morning, they will often start away at a great pace after running for a few hundred yards, they will stop and, with wings raised, spin round rapidly for some time, often till quite giddy, when a broken leg occasionally occurs adult birds when running in large camps will often if the veldt is good do the same especially if startled in the fresh of the early morning a troop of birds waltzing in full plumage is a remarkably pretty sight vicious cocks roll when challenging to fight also when wooing the hen the cock will suddenly bump down on to his knees open his wings making a straight line across his breast and then swing them alternately backwards and forwards as if on a pivot each wing as it comes forward being raised while that going backward is depressed the neck is lowered until the head is on a level with the back and the head and neck swing from side to side with the wings the back of the head striking with a loud click against the ribs first on the one side and then on the other the click is produced by the skin of the neck which then bulges loosely under the beak and for some distance downwards while rolling every feather over the whole body is on end and the plumes are open like a large white fan at such a time the bird sees very imperfectly if at all in fact he seems so preoccupied at that if pursued one may often approach unnoticed i have walked up to a rolling cock and seized him by the neck much to his surprise just before rolling a cock especially if courting the hen will often run slowly and daintily on the points of his toes with the neck slightly inflated upright and rigid the tail half drooped and all his body feathers fluffed up the wings raised and expanded the inside edges touching the sides of the neck for nearly the whole of its length and the plumes showing separately like an open fan on each side of the head in no other attitude is the splendid beauty of his plumage displayed to such advantage the males are very fierce while guarding their eggs or fighting for mates and kick with an extraordinary violence with their powerful legs as an example of their fierceness when aroused mr cronwright Schreiner, who knows much of these birds relates a story told him by a railway guard of an old male who charged a goods train coming at full speed down a steep gradient the bird as soon as he caught sight of the train at once got on the line and advanced fearlessly to fight the monster as the screeching engine approached he rushed at it from straight in front hissing angrily and kicked he was cut to pieces the next moment the bedouin tribes hunt the ostrich on dromedaries so also do the natives of somaliland and when near enough shoot it with poisoned arrows and the sahara canon tristram tells us it is ridden down on horseback a method of capture which the Sahara sportsmen regard as the greatest feat of hunting the bushmen says mr harding like the somalis kill the ostrich with poisoned arrows or catch it very cleverly in pitfalls or with the lasso and the Sukaree and Hodendawa tribes likewise use the lasso, with which the bird, when once fairly caught, is strangled. A favorite plan is to wait for the birds in a place of concealment, as near as possible to the pools to which they come for water, and then, with a gun loaded with swan shot, to fire at their necks as they stoop to drink. Then perhaps half a dozen are laid low at once, another plan to which the bushman often resorts is simpler still having found an ostrich's nest he removes all the eggs and ensconcing himself in the nest quietly awaits the return of the bird which he shoots with a poisoned arrow before it has time to recover from its surprise at finding him there instead of the eggs in the Abu roof bring it down by throwing a curved, flat stick from two and a half to three feet long, not unlike the Australian boomerang, and made of tough acacia wood or hard zyphus. Mr. Arthur Glynn of Leidenburg gives a graphic description of an ostrich hunt. His quarry being a troop of twenty birds, on sighting which he tells us we immediately gave chase discovering directly afterwards that a single bull wildebeest was among them after a stiff gallop he says of half a mile we got within seventy yards of the troop so reining in we both dismounted and fired bringing down one ostrich and the wildebeest bull We quickly mounted and continued the pursuit, the ostriches never running away for any distance in a direct course, but always turning and twisting, which made it difficult for us to keep them in sight. We went sailing on, neck and neck, regardless of holes or anything else, only thinking of the grandly plumed birds in front of us, our horses straining every nerve to overtake them, as only old stagers know how to run when in pursuit of game we had now approached within fifty yards and jumping down we fired at 2 cockbirds running separately from the troop bringing them both down hastily mounting we continued on after the retreating troop but at this juncture my friend's horse trod in a hole sending his rider over his head thereby completely putting him out of the run i now continued the chase by myself for a mile the ostriches gained on me as they continued to run in the straight line thereby not enabling me to cut off any point, but obliging me to keep in at the rear all the time. If I got off twice and fired several fruitless shots, and then continued the chase for certainly two miles without dismounting once, I now got within a hundred yards and jumped down. The first shot I fired brought down a fine cockbird, but the second struck the ground over the others, turning them to the right along a low ridge they appeared very much exhausted and ran with their wings spread out i saw that they were coming direct for me and waited until they were close when the ostriches approached within fifteen yards i selected the best-looking bird and put a bullet through him he ran on for about twenty yards and fell dead cassowaries and emus with the cassowaries and emus we have come as near as we can get at the present day to the representatives of the ancient type from which the ostrich tribe has sprung but both these forms are to be regarded as having passed the prime of their development for like their allies which we have already considered they have lost the power of flight both emu and cassowary possess one adult one character shared by no other living adult bird They have what may be called double feathers, each feather possessing two shafts of equal length. They appear to follow a custom of their own in the matter of the coloration of their eggs, since these are never white like those of the Rhea or Ostrich, but green with a very rough surface. The young, like those of the Rhea, are striped with alternate black and white stripes. The emu is found only on the continent of Australia the cassowary occurs both in australia and on the neighboring islands of new guinea ceram and aru the law of the cassowary appears to have been cast in pleasant places making it possible to indulge in the luxury of personal decoration a decoration moreover shared equally by the males and females both sexes having the head and neck most brilliantly colored in some species all the hues of the rainbow are vividly reflected to show these colors, the feathery covering, still worn by their relatives on the distant continents of Africa and America, has been cast off and the skin left bare. To these gorgeous hues they have added yet other features, for the head is surmounted in many species by a huge cask or helmet, whilst from the neck depend curious fleshy lobes or wattles, colored in accordance with the rest of the bare, colored skin of this region then too they have effected quite a novel transformation in the quills of the wing for these project on either side of the body in a series of shining black spines nor is this all for over and above the energy which they have to spare for personal decorations is a very large reserve to be expended in fighting the males are very pugnacious and to give point to this pugnacity they wear a very formidable weapon on the inner toe in the shape of a huge nail which can inflict a really dangerous wound it is used in kicking the foot being brought forwards and downwards with incredible speed and great force when wounded these powerful birds are very dangerous to approach on more than one occasion a wounded bird has caused a naturalist to take to a tree the sharp nail of the inner toe is a most dangerous weapon quite equal to the claw of a large kangaroo and capable of doing quite as much execution although forest haunting birds wherein they differ from their allies which are plain dwellers the cassowaries are adepts at swimming there is a danger that these beautiful and interesting birds will slowly be exterminated by greedy and thoughtless settlers the australian cassowary is already decreasing sadly being persecuted for the sake of its skin which is used for rugs and door-mats the emu though a sort of cousin of the cassowary boasts none of its splendour on the contrary it is a dull dowdy looking bird in size however it is much larger than the cassowary the wings which are exceedingly small have numerous tiny quill feathers not long hard spines as in the cassowary when in captivity it exhibits great curiosity furthermore it is swift to realize symptoms of fear in the faces of any visitor who it may have under inspection occasionally fear turns into flight and then thoroughly entering into the joke the emu pursues at top speed needless to say hunting of this kind can only be done in fairly large paddocks or parks but emus are frequently so kept a very remarkable and quite unique structure in the emu is a curious bag or pouch formed by a sort of outpocketing of the inner lining of the windpipe emerging through a long slit caused by the incompleteness of some of the rings near the middle of the windpipe the pouch comes to lie between this tube and the skin strangely enough it is found only in the female and is used by her chiefly during the breeding season when she utters a peculiarly loud booming note which it is supposed is caused by the manipulation of the air in the pouch when moved by any gentle excitement or pleasure especially on damp evenings or in the dead of night she also becomes musical giving forth a note which has been likened to a gong or muffled drum the male which is smaller fleeter of foot and more docile and inquisitive is mute or at most gives forth a suppressed hiss when angry or a kind of grunt when distressed at one time the emu roamed over the whole of the mainland of australia but now alas it is almost exterminated being found only far inland and in steadily diminishing numbers swift of foot and of great powers of endurance the emu has afforded in the past much sport to the hunting man who followed the dogs doubtless making comparisons the while between his two-legged prey and his four-footed friend reynard the hunt does not end till the bird is thoroughly exhausted when it must be seized at once by the neck in order to prevent it kicking for the legs are so powerful that a blow from the foot is dangerous incubation is apparently performed by the male which sits from fifty-four to sixty-four days practically no nest is made only a shallow hollow being scraped in the sand the eggs from seven to thirteen in number are of a dark bottle green color sometimes lighter and have the surfaces curiously roughened the male is smaller than the female a fact which has led to some confusion the larger female having at one time been regarded as the male it will be noted that the emus not only lack the brilliant colour of the cassowaries but also the helmet or cask the late mr gould's remarks on the edibility of the emu are interesting he says its flesh has been compared to coarse beef which it resembles according to mr cunningham both in appearance and taste it is good and sweet eating nothing indeed can be more delicate than the flesh of the young ones there is little fit for culinary use upon any part of the emu except the hindquarters which are of such dimensions that the shouldering of the two hind legs homeward for a mile distance once proved to me as tiresome a task as i ever recollect to have encountered in the colony i may remark that its flesh proved of the greatest service to dr leichardt and his intrepid companions during their overland route from Moreton bay to port essington in the course of which but more particularly between the head of the gulf of carpentaria and port essington the sight and capture of the emu was almost a daily occurrence so abundant in fact was it that he states that he saw in the short space of eight miles at least a hundred in flocks of three five ten and even more at a time on the continent of australia the emu was formerly abundant about botany bay and port jackson harbour but is now only to be seen in the plains of the interior over whose solitudes it roams in great numbers and where it breeds depending on the strength and swiftness of its legs to avoid the pursuit of the stockmen and their dogs Farther and farther back, however, it will be driven until it be extirpated, unless some law be instituted to check its wanton destruction. In a wild state, emus take readily to the water and have on more than one occasion been seen swimming across a wide river. The South American Rhea is also known to be a good swimmer. The common emu is restricted to eastern Australia. The opposite side of this great continent is inhabited by another and very distinct species known as the spotted emu. The Apteryx To see the Apteryx at home, we should have to travel to far New Zealand and to hunt with infinite patience when we got there. Apteryx hunting, it has been found to be successful, must be done by the help of dogs. Sir Walter Buller has written some very spirited accounts of such hunts. Europeans, indeed, have been singularly successful in this hunting, whereby they have done much to enhance the value of this bird by hastening its fast approaching and inevitable extermination. The natives call this bird the kiwi, from its call note, ki-iwi. These cries are uttered during the early hours of the night, ceasing after midnight. They appear to have great penetrating power. End of section one.